Hi, this is Reverend Tommy, and I'd like to welcome you back to the garden where we explore the big questions about life. I invite you to open your minds and be receptive to seeing things differently. So let's get metaphysical. Give a man a fish, and he will eat for a day. Show a man to fish, and he will eat for the rest of his life. I think most of us have heard that quote. Do you know where it comes from? You think it comes from the Bible? No, it doesn't come from the Bible. It's actually a Chinese proverb. And I said, well, what does it mean? So I, on the Internet, says this. The meaning of the quotation is that it is of more worth and longer lasting to teach someone to be independent rather than to give them temporary support. I would agree with that, and uh, that's a good interpretation. I wanted to start today's lesson with this quote because I think it's important to reiterate that in unity, this is what we're trying to do. We want you to spiritually teach you to fish for yourself, which is to say to think for yourself, to find your own path, because the individual eternal journey is the secret, the key, and the beauty of everything. Did you hear what I said? I said the individual eternal journey is the secret and the beauty of existence. There is an axiom that says knowledge is power. And indeed, we're becoming very aware because we travel in herds, as they said in the dinosaur movie, whatever it was, Jurassic Park, they travel in herds. We travel in herds, too, I guess. Uh, But man is becoming ever more aware of just how powerful we really are. Sages have known this all along. Jesus knew it. He taught it when he said that the works I do, you shall do, he said, because he knew this. I've talked about this before. I think as a collective consciousness, we're moving from being in a believing state, from believing things to knowing things. That's where we're going with this. And believing and knowing, generally speaking, in the past have been two separate things. Religion has been about beliefs, and science has been about knowledge. Well, the two are beginning to merge once again. As we say in unity, when you come here, it's not necessary to leave your brain at the door. I have a sign back there on top of that piano that I have found at a hardware store, and it says pretty much exactly that. However, if you do have a spoiled, out-of-control ego, that we welcome you to check in the door. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You know, Unity started as a healing ministry, and then it went to a school. And so the idea of coming to Sunday service to learn something was one of the things that appealed to me immediately about Unity. I said, I like this. And along my journey, I heard one minister say, I'm a teacher, I'm not a preacher, And I kind of like that, actually, because for me, as that quote at the beginning suggests, I think it's more important to teach than to preach. For me, preaching, you know, I mean, it's another style, but it's more of a putting on a show. That's how I take it. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe I could be up here and tell you that way. But, you know, I could set up a little amen, hallelujah meter. And and then every every day I tell Nancy, how am I doing? You're up to seven. Right. You know, but the problem with that is that when you would leave the, the place, you know, it's gone. It's gone. However, 
In the other, in contrast, if I teach you something, then you have a better chance of being spiritually fed for the rest of your life. You don't have to depend on someone else to give you that fish, you see? Seriously, though, today's lesson falls into the category of being both spiritual and scientific. This is a blend very appealing to me. It was to co-founder Charles Fillmore as well. Fillmore would have been fascinated by all this knowledge of quantum fields, quantum mechanics. And if you read his material, he hints at it. He didn't know quite what to call it, but he knew, he knew enough to understand it. Something is going on. So he was on. So he would have loved this stuff. So today's lesson is called The Biology of Beliefs. It is based on an audio CD by Dr. Bruce Lipton. I have it in my briefcase. I'm going to take it out. Called <clears throat> The Wisdom of Yourselves. Uh, I, I wanted to call the title The Biology of Beliefs because that's the name of the book before this. And I thought the title had more of a significance to it. Anyway, uh, I was talking to someone, this subject came up a few weeks ago to someone who actually is a biologist, and um, I said, you know, I think I have this CD somewhere, so I found it, and when we went to Austin two weeks ago, to my, my wife has a Neil Diamond on the bucket list, so I took her to see Neil Diamond, and so we went to Austin, so I took the CD, the CD is eight CDs long, eight and a quarter hour running time, so I listened to it four hours that way, four hours back, <laughs> it's, it's a lot, it's a lot. But So my task today is to try to give you a summary of that eight and a quarter hours in 20 minutes or so. Obviously, a lot will be left out. How many of you are familiar with Dr. Lipton in the first place? Some of you are. Very good. Very good. For those of you who are not, then good. I'm glad I brought it up because it's very, very relevant, as you will see. Now, think about the title, The Biology of Beliefs. Think about that title. The central question the title raises is this. What do our beliefs have to do with our biology? The short answer is everything. Our, bi- our beliefs have everything to do with our biology. Simply put, our beliefs influence, affect, and even change our biology. In other words, the body will respond to what we believe. Medicine is slowly beginning to become aware of this. And so they understand now that a positive attitude goes a long way towards the healing process. So, and we know this in unity, that the whole idea of a holistic medicine is coming into being because of this. So here's the thing about the beliefs, the relationship between our beliefs and our biology. The effects are evident whether our beliefs are positive or negative, true or untrue. Let me give you an example. Close your eyes for just a second. Use your power of imagination. Let me see how good you are at imagining. I want you to imagine this. You're walking down the street of a big city. It's very late at night. There is no one around. It's dark. You can't see very well. Suddenly in the distance, you see what appears to be the figure of a, of a big man. And then you say, it looks like he's holding something in his hand. What, what is that, a gun? Is he holding a gun? What happens to you at that moment? I will tell you. You can open your eyes. You experience the perception of danger. That's what happens to you. And how does your body react? Well, you start to sweat. Your, your blood pressure goes up. Your heart starts beating. You just get into fear covers your body. And you get into what's called protection mode. Fight or flight. 
But then all of a sudden, the streetlight goes back on, because I guess it's faulty or something. And, and you see that it's, it's just trash. It's not a man at all. So you start to relax again. So what just took place? Your body reacted to what you perceived as danger. Was the danger real? No. Was your reaction to the perception of the danger real? Yes. Yes, it was. Why? Because you perceived it as real. You believed it was real. And your body reacted. What's the point of this example? Is that it is that our body neither knows nor is concerned with what we believe is true or not true. Real or unreal. It reacts to our perception. To what we believe. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Because it should. This is what we teach in unity. We teach that our thoughts, our beliefs create our world, our reality. We have a saying, change your mind, change your world. It's on the marquee. Is this idea that our thoughts, our beliefs change or alter our life exclusive to unity, to new thought or something? Not at all. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 27 through 29, it says this. And when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he came into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? And they told him, Yes, Master. Yes, Lord, we believe. Then he touched their eyes and saying, According to your faith, let it be done unto you. <clears throat> That's what he said. In Luke 17, 19, it says, And he said unto him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. Do you see the formula, quote unquote, if you will, here? In the first scripture, he asked the two blind men if they believe. Because in order for the manifestation to take place, you must believe that it can happen. What did Ford say, Henry Ford? Whether you believe it's true, or whether you believe you can, or whether you believe you can't, you are right. It is your perception. In the second scripture, he reiterates this. He says that it was the faith, the belief, that made the whole some, the wholeness appear. He didn't say I healed you. He did not say that. He said your faith healed you. So therein lies the foundation of this lesson. What we believe affects our physiology. As I said, it's too much to cover in, in, in such a short, short period of time. So let me just get to some bottom line things here real, you know, real quick. Like. The first thing I'm going to share with you is, is this really bottom line, genuine bottom line stuff. <laughs> an, an aha moment I had on the way back down from, from Austin listening to the CD. And I thought, <laughs> now wait a minute. This is what came to my mind. Everything we've been taught about religion is wrong. Everything we've been taught about science is wrong. Everything we've been taught is wrong. I said, well, that just makes me feel real good, doesn't it? Okay, I admit it. I was showboating just a little bit. I was going for a soundbite. But, but here's the scary part. Although those statements are not completely accurate, they're also not completely inaccurate. The truth is much of what we have been taught religiously is incorrect and much of what we've been taught scientifically it turns out is incorrect as well at unity we know about the religious inaccuracies 
In, in Dr. Lipton, he points out some of the scientific inaccuracies. And that's what I want to talk about today, the scientific inaccuracies. Because not only do they concern the nature of the universe, they concern the nature of the topic of healing. And healing is something very important to unity and to Christianity in general. The biggest difference between how scientifically we saw the, un- the nature of the universe before and how we see it now is that transition from seeing ourselves as victims of the universe to victors, to co-creators of the universe. Our old scientific view was that the universe is a machine, independent of us. Our new view is that it's not a machine. It's not a machine at all, not a physical machine. And it is not independent of us. The underlying reality is that everything is energy, as we've talked about today. And it is we, by our observations, by our thoughts, by our perceptions, that alter it, the universe, not the other way around. It is an interactive universe, in other words. This is why Jesus asked the blind men if they believed it was possible. Because it was they who altered the manifestation. You see, it was not whether Jesus could do it. He was like the trigger point, if you will. It happened because they believed that he could do it. But it was the belief in it, the perception, the change in perception that created the change in manifestation. Do you see? It has to come from inside. So how are we victims? When I talked about this to a couple of other people, but the trainer guy has been helping us out. You know, he said the same thing. He's like, what do you mean victims? That's the first thing he asked. And I said that to somebody else. That's the same thing. What do you mean victims of the universe? Well, let me see. In, in, in Unity New Thought, we teach that, as I said, that it is we who control our destiny through our thoughts, through our mind action process, as, as Reverend Linda talked about last week. In the old tradition of, of, religious, of religion, there is choice, but there's only one choice, if you think about it. And that is the choice to make the right choice. <laughs> you know, this one time around. You got one life, one shot at this, you know. But see, the victim nuts in that idea is that, well, first of all, you didn't control where you were born. You didn't control what time period you were born. So obviously, if you were born to a preacher, uh, to your dad's a preacher, a Christian preacher, wow, you know what? You have an increased not, uh, a w- chance of being saved, if you will. If you were born in China 3,000 years ago, your chances are not so good. So the, the thing is, like, but, but who, who decided when and where you were going to be born. So there's your victimness, if you will. And, and in science, they're, they're victims too. Because as Bruce Lipton talks about, see, we've gone through this Newtonian physics, Darwinian theory about evolution, in which we are victims. Because DNA, the traditional understanding, is that DNA genes control our lives. You know, you have the gene, I have a gene for X, or I have a gene for that. So I have an increase. My wife's telling me, there's people who have mastectomies because they have the gene for it. I said, crying out loud, you know? And, and so, and it's the same thing. We didn't choose our DNA. And we can't change our DNA. 
So we're victims in that sense. But along comes Dr. Bruce Lipton. Thank you, Dr. Bruce Lipton. And he's a PhD in, you know, he's a cellular biologist, by the way. And he says, hold on here a minute. See, he was teaching, he was teaching the medical model at the University of Wisconsin. He was, he was a professor at medical school. And he was teaching what he calls the medical model. This, you know, that DNA and genes and stuff control your life and control your biology and all that stuff. And that, this is in the 60s, 70s. And he starts doing experiments. Um, and he's trying to find, and he started learning about quantum physics and energy and stuff. And he starts realizing, he says, wait a minute. What I'm teaching and what I'm seeing is not the same thing. He had to leave. He said, you know what? I can't do this. I cannot uh, continue to teach this medical model because it's, it's not correct. So moving forward to the present, as I said, quantum physics has allowed us to see that the universe is energy. The problem with medicine is that they still believe and they still treat everything as if we are machines. Because think about it. You go in there with a physical symptom or a, some kind of a physical problem, and they address it from purely the physical perspective. They give you biochemical, because we're a machine. We're a biochemical machine. And so we, they, they try to balance out the, our chemistry. Completely Newtonian, completely matter only. But that's all, all that stuff has began to change. Because we're understanding that we must take this energy into account. It's everywhere. It's all we do. It's all we are. And in, in the CD, uh, Dr. Lipton points out that one researcher, I forgot the name. I, I couldn't find where it was again, so I forget it. it that's, that's the, the point is, this one researcher said, okay, if, if, this, if there's energy everywhere because there is energy, we're putting out energy, you are, even inanimate objects because they're made of atoms too. And atoms are the ones that are radiating all this uh, electromagnetic field. Anyway, he says, if, if our body reacts to chemical stimulus or medicines or whatever you want to call it, <clears throat> then how does it work <coughs> uh, with energy? They found out that energy has a hundred times, if you like this, <coughs> energy has a hundred times more effective than medicines. That is outrageous. And of course, the reason why is because we're fundamentally, we are fundamentally energy fields. That is why. We now have technology that can pick up thought patterns. Not the EKG ones, that are, that, those are electrical signals, but magnetic ones that can pick up the energy coming out of our head. So he says, our thoughts are not even in our head. They're project, as we say here, we are projecting this energy out into the universe. But here's the catch. So are you, and so are you, and so are you. Everybody's projecting. So there's all this interaction of energies everywhere, and you cannot separate them. That's why he says, now what they're doing, <coughs> when you go to the doctor, instead of asking you, about your symptoms, they might ask you, like, well, like, how's your married life? Or, you know, are you having stress at, at work or something? Because they know that these other energies affect this now. It's all very, very interesting. So this is where healing is all going. It's all going back to that old way of that old Eastern view of Eastern medicine, holistic medicine. There's a saying. It says, um, <coughs> 
Science is climbing the proverbial mountain of knowledge, and at the top, they found the Buddha. <laughs> and the Buddha says, like, what took you guys so long to get here? <laughs> you know? Let me wrap this up for you. <clears throat> the bottom line on biology is that, getting <clears throat> really dry throat, it was a singing, <laughs> that there is evolution. Change happens, as we saw that video yesterday. But Darwinian evolution is incorrect. Survival of the fittest is not the way nature operates. Co- nature operates through cooperation. We are a community of 50 trillion cells, and they cooperate with each other. That's why, when, especially when we, obviously, when we're, you know, uh, disease, disease free. But in general, they all, they all cooperate with them. 50 trillion cells cooperating. We can't even, there's 8 billion of us on this planet, we can't cooperate. We've got major problems. Anyway, let me tell you about this one quick experiment <clears throat> that, um, to bring the point about how our biology does change. He said they took this bacteria, I guess, I don't know that much about it. My wife is a biologist. And they, they, <clears throat> they altered it so that uh, it's for lactase and lactose. You know how the lactase lact- breaks down lactose or vice versa, whatever it is. And well, they, well, they took out the, 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 the lactase from the enzyme, and they put it into this Petri jar that has nothing but lactose. So in effect, it's like putting me or you in the middle of the desert, no food, no water. Guess what? There's nothing there for you. Well, guess what happened? It mutated. It mutated. The cells have a copying system. And they have the intelligence to know that they can change. So Darwin talks about random mutation. He says there's no such thing as random mutation. It's purposeful. Mutation happens for a purpose. The cell knows that in order to survive, To adjust itself, it must change. And it changes. And he said, wow, this is amazing. (coughs) So where is the intelligence here? Wow, it's amazing. (coughs) So it is our nature to change. It is our nature. So, as I said before, what does biology have to do with our beliefs? It has everything to do with it. We don't have to look very far here at Unity to see... um, Evidence of this, for those of you who know the story, Myrtle Fillmore was diagnosed with a tuberculosis when she was 40-something. This is in 18, well, let me see, 40-something would have been eight, when, when she was about, what, 1860, 1870, something like that, no, in 1880, 1880 maybe, whatever. Anyway, the point is this, tuberculosis at that time was like the cancer of now. It was basically, with no cure, so it's basically a death sentence. And what she did is she applied these very ideas that Bruce Lipton is talking about. She sat there for hours on end, and she talked to her cells. She talked to all her cells and and said, you are whole, you are complete, you're you're created by God, all these things, all this positive influence. And guess what? They changed. She lived to be almost 90 years old. And on top of that, if I remember right, I think at the very end she said, she got to the point where she finally told her assistants, you know what, I think my time here is ending. I think it's time for me to leave. And I, and I always take that to heart. I said, that's how I want to do it. I said, I will leave when I'm good and ready to leave, you know, because we're in control of the life. That's the idea here. So 
Do you remember last week that Reverend Linda talked about <clears throat> another example about the, those cows, those cows that the, that the, that changed their their color, the speckled stuff? I was telling her afterwards. I told her, you know that I was talking to the same biology lady during the week about this CD, and, and I brought that up. I said, I know there's a story in there somewhere, and then Linda brings it up that these cattle actually, by looking at external stimulus of these uh, trees that had been speckled, changed their physiology. They changed their physiology. Their perception changed their biology. I said, what? That's the story. And, you know, and you look at it, you probably say, like, yeah, right, you know. But you start looking at this stuff, like Bruce Lipton, and it's like, actually, this is not that bad, far off at all. And, and I was telling Reverend Linda when she walked in, that, and I was telling Nancy that lately, it seems like every time I want to do a lesson, the universe starts talking to me in one way or another. This morning, this very morning, I'm passing by the TV, and my wife has uh, Super Soul Sunday. Do you ever record Super Soul Sunday, Oprah? You need to. She's got all these great guests. And it was from last week, and I just caught a little tail end of something, what she was saying, the lady. It's this lady. She, said she was in town on, on the Unity magazine. Uh, this is uh, January, February 14. Her name is Christiane Northrup, and she's a medical doctor. And she was on, on Oprah last week. And, and uh, the conversation that caught the tail end, she's talking about an experiment where they had a, two groups of people, and, and they had basically the same type illnesses or whatever it was it was, and one was told one thing and one was told the other, and the ones that were told the positive stuff, they reacted, you know, they got better and all stuff, and the other ones, nothing. And it's the same thing. The only difference was... But they were told their perception of things. And I said, how interesting is that? That this is exactly what, exactly what uh, Reverend Linda was talking about in those cattle. And then she said this. She said, I'm going to give you a little trick. So I, I picked up on it. Maybe you can do it too. She said, you know how sometimes they say, oh, I'm so old. I'm so ugly. I'm so fat. You know, all this kind of stuff. When you look in the mirror, she says, do this. Do this. Find a picture of yourself. Where you just really feel like you look at it, it makes you happy. Ah, this is what I look like. This is in my mind. This is what I look like. You know, type thing. She said, take the picture, carry it around with you. She says, I have it on my iPhone now, and look at it two, three times a day, every day. Look at it. This is what she was talking about. And I'm thinking, Reverend Linda, Genesis 30, <laughs> and I'm saying, wow. And she said, it will change you because of your perception your perception changes your reality do you understand that we have to come into the understanding that we live in an infinite universe it is infinite life is infinite we are infinite there is nowhere to go there is only places to grow we're going to just keep on going and changing and moving and experiencing more and more forever, forever. So as we say in unity, change your mind and change your world.